1: What's going on, everybody? It's Monday, August 29th, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco. It's a big-time Monday. Reaction time. Now, finally, we get to react to some football games as the 2022 season is underway. My winners and losers after week zero. And it starts right away with Nebraska and Northwestern, the biggest game of the weekend. Biggest winners, of course, are Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats. Biggest losers of the week, Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And we're going to have more to dive into, and to help me do that is our own Carl Reed. Carl, thanks for joining me on this Monday, man. It's crazy because week zero comes and goes. Everyone had that big spotlight on Nebraska and Northwestern, so we'll start out with the biggest winner on my list from this week. It's Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats. I have say their biggest win this weekend was getting that respect back I mean people almost forgot how good of a coach Pat Fitzgerald is and they earned that with that 31-28 win over Nebraska out in Dublin Ireland
2: well Pat Fitzgerald is a great ball coach and not only is he a great ball coach he's a perfect fit for his alma mater at Northwestern a tough physical Chicago style brand of football where they run the ball downhill Great rushing performance for the offensive line. Great rushing performance for Evan Hall. You guys know around here how much I love to run the rock. And I think that he just wore Nebraska out over the course of the game. They dominated them in the trenches from the inside out. And it was a beautiful, beautiful physically played football game from the Northwestern football program.
1: And it's interesting. Do you, I mean, do you honestly believe that Nebraska and maybe a lot of the country, including myself actually, probably really underestimated what Northwestern could do in the season and season opening victory?
2: I don't think we underestimated Northwestern. I think we overestimated Nebraska. We probably had too much. Going in and thinking that they were going to improve with some of the transfer moves they made with the change to Mark Whipple as the OC coming off of the 11-1 and one year that he had at Pitt with Jordan Addison and Pickett. But he had a first-round draft pick at quarterback at Pitt. He had a Bolidnikov winning receiver, and he doesn't have that type of personnel in Nebraska. Some solid players, but Nebraska has a lot of work to do moving forward and a lot of soul searching.
1: So a lot of respect out to Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald, but we have to move to the biggest loser of Week 0 on my list and that is Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And I gotta say, Carl, just to make this a little bit more specific, my biggest loser is Scott Frost as a game day head coach, which everyone's gonna talk about. The decision to go for that onside kick up by 11 in the second half. Nebraska has all the momentum and Frost elects to try to get the ball back again. Now, generally, I, I like these kinds of moves, but in this case where you're just searching for the season opening win, and you need something to get the season off to a, off to a good start after the pressure that's been put on his shoulders over the past couple of years. I mean, that must have been the most mind boggling decision I've seen in Week Zero or Week One, wherever the case may be over the last couple of years.
2: What if it would have worked? If We've it would have worked, then we would have prayed. We would have praised him, of course. Right. I mean, you know how
1: these things work,
2: right? So he he made a decision. The thing the thing that I always want to keep in mind when I when I talk football when we talk about the season is it's a week one loss. And yes, Scott Frost Scott Frost's seat is hot and he's had a lot of criticism. But guys, it's just week one. He has to come back and he has to rally his locker room and he has to rally his staff. Scott Frost had a great run at Central Florida when he was the head coach there. He was a great Nebraska Cornhusker. He was absolutely the right guy for the job when the hire was made. But now what they have to decide right now is where do they go from here? Scott Frost has got to get the ship righted. He doesn't have a long time before the Wolves are going to start coming. But at the end of the day, if that onside kick is converted, then we're having a different conversation potentially today. But you have to win football games. It all comes down to that. But Scott Frost does have to get his team. He has to make sure that he doesn't lose the team right now because they got to stop listening to all the outside noise and they got to focus on what they need to do at the University of Nebraska to win football games. But it's a rough situation down there in Lincoln and they expect to win. They want to win at a high level and they have not done that in the Scott Frost era. And so they got to get some things corrected. the, The schedule i mean does it get any easier than having to play northwestern maybe in week one so the big 10 is a rough and tumble league we'll see how it pans out but they do have to get some wins on the board if scott frost wants to keep his job
1: some of that outside noise is coming from me. But, of course, I might, I might just be a little bit irked because I actually picked this team to go 7-5 in 2022. Of course, still possible. Only one game after Week 0. We head into Week 1, so we'll see what happens with them. But I have a question for you, Carl, on the Nebraska front here. It's interesting. I mean, what did you notice in that second half? Again, this team does go up by 11 points. They're cruising. Casey Thompson looks really good at quarterback for the Huskers. You know, First game after transferring from Texas, Mark Whipple. The offense is working. Defense is coming alive as well. They're limiting Nebraska after, or excuse me, they're, they're limiting North Western, especially after blowing a lead in the first half. What did you notice in terms of a shift after that onside kick for the rest of the second half? I mean, did they just go away from their game plan?
2: They got beat up physically. They they got beat up physically in the box on the offensive line and on the defensive line. And if you remember, the great Cornhusker teams were always built to dominate in the trenches. And Big Ten football, the black and blue division is going to always be about the trenches. Football games are always going to be won and lost on the line of scrimmage. I don't care how cute you get on the perimeter in the passing game, how well you think you could throw the ball. When you get an 11-point lead, being able to run the football downhill and get first downs and chew up clock It helps you down the stretch, and they weren't able to do that. Northwestern was able to punch them in the mouth physically, and that gave them the advantage, and it wore those guys out, and eventually those guys were out on their feet. It didn't look like they were in great shape condition wise to go the distance. They got beat up physically also, and that was the difference in the football
1: game. Now, the story of the weekend, so I'm curious as to this, Carl, if this was week one, where you have a full slate of games, you know, you have the Alabamas, the Georgia, the Ohio States of the world, that's your national state, particularly next week when you have Ohio State and and Notre dame as your nightcap game on saturday night if this game was in week one rather than week zero where they're on a national stage international stage because they're out in dublin Ireland, is there less criticism of scott frost and the huskers right now
2: no because the university of nebraska fans would still be at his throat because no who gets win lose or draw No fan base is more rabid about their football program than the fans at the University of Nebraska. So their expectations are very high. And if anybody in the country would have noticed, they would have noticed. And that's the people that he's playing for. So we'll take
1: take, take a quick break right here. On the other side, we'll get more into those Husker fans on my winners and losers list. Keep it locked here. This is the College Football Daily on 24-7 Sports.
0: So, Carl, speaking of
1: those Husker fans, I'm going to cheat a little bit on my list here. Winner and loser here. Winners and losers this week are the Nebraska Corn Husker fans. And this is why. Losers, because, of course, you know, there was a loss uh, on Saturday in Dublin, Ireland to Northwestern. Season got off to the wrong start. They didn't expect this. A lot of expectations with the new players, new offensive coordinator, maybe a bowl game finally under Scott Frost. So, yes, the disappointment puts them in the loser category. But here's my reason why they're also in my winners category this week, because you might have clarity now that you might actually know you know what we actually won because we know what we're going to get out of scott frost his staff and this team built under his watch over the last couple of years and we can look forward to 2023 already under a new head coach new regime wherever the case may be so tell me why i'm nuts or tell me why i'm actually right here as to why these husker fans are in both categories after week zero
2: there's no winners and a loss there's no winner there's no winners in a loss you knew what you got out of scott frost long before this game The Nebraska fans want to win football games. The Nebraska administration wants to win football games. But I'll be honest with you, nobody wants to win football games more than Scott Frost himself. It hasn't worked. And when this hire was made, my biggest thing that I wondered was, could you run and be successful in a place like Nebraska, running the spread RPO system? Because it's hard to get those top athletes to want to come to Lincoln, Nebraska. It's much easier to get them to go to to Orlando, Florida, or to get them to go to Oregon, where Scott Frost used to be the offensive coordinator. It's not easy. Nebraska football has been about big linemen, big backs. But remember, at the end of the Frank Solich era, they didn't want that anymore. They wanted to up the program. They wanted to go to this spread and this pro-style offense everybody was running. So they ran out a legendary coach in Frank Solich, and they went and got Bill Callahan. And it hasn't worked since then it's been haunting them since then whatever they do if they do at some point decide to move on from scott frost my recommendation to the nebraska faithful is to go get jeff monken the great army coach and let him come in and run the triple option and bring nebraska back to its roots and what they're supposed to be a tough downhill running physical brand of football because that's what nebraska corn husker football is it isn't rpos and downfield passing and sexiness it's punching people in the mouth it's making you play physical football it's a bare knuckle bar fight that's where the corn huskers win football games at but they made a decision they wanted to go away from that they haven't recovered from that decision since.
1: Well, judging by my black guy, I, I, I'm actually very into training, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and in tough physicality and offensive line play. So talking to Jeff Munkin earlier this summer as well, the Army head coach, it'd be a great stop for him to bring, to bring him over to Nebraska. Can you imagine if that happened? Triple option in the Big Ten. Boy, that'd be a fascinating thing to watch in the Big Ten West. So we'll move on. And Obviously, again, the biggest losers this week are Nebraska, unfortunately, and their fans for the most part. But of course, some winners, Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald and, and at least in my case, and Northwestern fans are winners. I mean, Nebraska fans are winners because for some reason they might have clarity now, at least in my mind. So we'll move on. Some other winners and losers from week zero. Real quick, Carl. Winners first, at least in my mind. I think it's Michigan, actually, because Jim Harbaugh still has not named one quarterback. Now, you would think this would not be good going into the regular season, but he has Cade McNamara starting week one. J.J. McCarthy starting week two. He said he'll make a decision after those two games once both guys get game experience here in 2022. And week three, you'll have your permanent starter. What's interesting, Cade is already named a team captain. Harbaugh said that has nothing to do with his uh, standing as a starting quarterback at all, but... I think they're winners here, Carl. Because right now, this worked last year in 2021. The team's still very talented. And if you have two talented quarterbacks, why not use them both as much as possible until you have to name one? And again, it worked last year as a Big Ten champion and getting to the college football playoff. Do you think, or do you at least agree with me, that Michigan actually still is a winner right now using two quarterbacks at the moment?
2: No, I don't think that they are. But I do understand why the decision is made. You're trying to keep two very good quarterbacks happy, which really in this day and age is impossible to do. You're going to lose one of these guys eventually because they want to play. A player wants to play. And I don't care how close the race is. On every team, there's a guy that's better than the other guy. And eventually, coach is going to have to make that decision. And it sounds like he's going to do that in week three. It's easy in those first two games to play one guy one game and one guy the next game and say you know we're going to go from there. What you're trying to do is make sure that nobody enters the transfer portal before the end of the season because you're one play away from having to play the other guy and you want him to be on the roster. You want him to be happy. You want them to not be looking at what his next move is. You want him to be looking at helping the Michigan Wolverine football team win. But the great Lou Hosh used to say if you got two quarterbacks, then you got none. (laughs)
1: And this is is maybe the winner is Jim Harbaugh because he knows what he's doing right now, keeping both these guys happy until they both have to play enough and now they're not worried about going to their next move. So we'll move on now. The final loser of the week, Carl, has to be Florida A&M. Of course, there was a report out over the weekend where there were 20 plus players deemed ineligible upon transfers, academic issues, and of course Florida A&M, amid all that, still managed to play their game on Saturday but were blown out by North Carolina. Again, it was a mismatch on paper anyway. I know you and I have previously discussed about smaller schools like florida a&m playing big power five schools so again mismatch aside but i, I gotta say florida a&m like the program as a whole right now based on the reports at least are one of the bigger losers of the weekend based on ineligibility issues and a blowout loss to open up the season
2: well i think the big thing is that you have to understand what compliance means and in the struggles that a lot of the hbcu programs have is in compliance is having one compliance director first off Florida A&M does not have an athletic director in place right now. They fired their athletic director a couple months back. Their original compliance director quit a little while ago, and now they have a new person in place that's trying to pick up the pieces. But in a lot of HBCUs, the compliance director doesn't necessarily work over the summer. So when you're trying to get guys eligible to play college football games in the fall, that paperwork piles up. And it's a lot for one person to do. When people read this or they hear about it, a lot of them think, well, guys didn't pass classes and guys just failed a bunch of classes. And that may be a couple of the cases. But a lot of this is just guys not being in the right classes, paperwork not being done on time, clerical and administrative errors. And Florida AM has put themselves in a really bad light here because you're playing with players' lives, you're playing with guys' lives. A lot of guys can't accept their financial aid until eligibility benchmarks are met. So you have some guys in limbo there. It's a disappointing situation. Coach Willie Simmons, one of the great young football coaches in all of college football, doesn't deserve this they got to get it together at famu get organized and get this athletic program moving in the right direction
1: it is an unfortunate situation just one more for you carl i mean what's the exact solution for that i mean you mentioned how it could be a staffing issue as well in the summer it's not necessarily these guys just failing classes or you mentioned it could be just taking the wrong classes or just paperwork not being filed correctly i mean is this strictly one of these things where it's just a staffing issue and it's kind of out of the actual football team's control it's more on the administration and the departments behind the scenes.
2: Well, it's not in the football team's control at all. This is not a football staff thing. At that level, the football staff is not the one that's managing academics and managing compliance. There's nothing that the football staff can do other than be upset. And try to motivate people to work harder at jobs what the university has to do and this comes down to a financial issue can you afford to hire even a second person or a third person can you call on your loans there's some i know some pretty wealthy guys that graduated from florida a&m can you put in some phone calls and try to get some people to help you with some staffing so you can have the people in there to do this job because it's necessary to do it
1: boy it was a wild week zero for our winners and losers first edition here in 2022 on the college football deal i can't wait to see what week one brings if we're going on and on about all of these things just after a smaller slate of games carl thanks a lot man appreciate that appreciate you joining me as always remind everybody where they can find you on social media
2: Follow me at any social media platform at Coach Reed Live.
1: Some of the best content you'll find out there for high school and college football and even NFL analysis, the great call Reed. I'm Nick Costco saying so And Be sure to follow me on Twitter as well at Nick costco 59 kosko 59 And, of course, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our 24-7 Sports YouTube page. And if you're listening on the podcast version today, be sure to like, download, and subscribe to wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, wherever the case may be for the college football day. Once again, I'm Nick Costco saying so long. This has been the College Football Daily right here on 24-7 Sports.